0: Okay, if you would take your Bible once again this evening and turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now I do have five pages of notes tonight. But I might not do it all. We'll see. But you'll like the topic, at least you men will. I'm not sure how the ladies will, but anyway. It's a a topic of controversy today. A lot of interest in uh, because of the condition of our society and the things that are going on in it. But Luke chapter 22, verse 35. says, And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword... Now think about this, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. So, of course, the question that a lot of people ask, is it right? For a Christian to use lethal force. Is it right for a Christian to use lethal force? Of course me, growing up in a Mennonite church, you know, they're pacifists. They would say no. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. However, I'm not a pacifist pacifist. So, anyway, we want to look at what the Bible says tonight about this issue. So let's pray and then we'll look at it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. Thank you, Father, that we have in the word of God all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So pray, Father, that you have us tonight, give us wisdom, help us to rightly divide thy word so we can apply it to our lives as we think about this, considering uh, the, the is it right to use lethal force? So we pray you give us wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to look at a couple of things tonight. You know, of course, we live in a, a nation with 250 million guns, 300 million people, somewhere around there, I suppose. Um, and... But the question is, is it right for us to use lethal force? So let's look at a couple of things here, first of all. Uh, the biblical obligation to preserve life. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the Bible teaches us that our lives are not our own, nor are the lives of other people their own. And, you know, we're commanded to take care of our bodies in which life is contained. So, I think it would go without saying that we have an obligation to preserve the body and the life of other people. At least that's what the psalmist says. Psalm 84 Or 82, verses 3 and 4 says, Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So it's just instructions here that we have a deserty, a a duty to preserve life. And the lives of those that are harming themselves. Proverbs 24, verse 11, 12 says, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Now some people say, Well, it's none of my business. I'm not my brother's keeper. Well, it isn't what the Lord said to Cain. Of course, we know well Ezekiel 33 verse six says, "But if a watchman see the sword come, blow not the trumpet, and the people be warned, or be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand." So every city in Israel had a, had a, had a watchman on a tower that was to watch where if an enemy come, he was to blow the trumpet and warn the people. If the watchman did not blow the trumpet, they would require the blood of people's lives that were forfeited at his hand. Of course, if he blew the trumpet and people didn't take any heed, then he was free from that. So, again, the idea here is that if there is danger of an uh, to people and we give them not warning we give them not warning that we can be uh, uh, responsible for them. Uh, we also see in, in uh, Deuteronomy 28, or 22 verse 8 uh, we are to guard the lives, if we don't guard the lives of others we can be guilty. Deuteronomy 22 verse 8 says when thou buildest a new house then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof that thou bring not blood upon thine house if many any man fall from fence. Uh, so, you know, when you were building a house uh, in Israel, and if you had, you know, they there's a lot of things they did on the, the housetops, and if you didn't build a battlement around it, or a fence, basically, to keep people from falling off and dying or being injured, then they would require their life, yours. Um. Uh, Exodus 21:28-29 says this: But if an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were want, if the ox were want to push with his horn in time past, and it hath been testified to his owner he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. So, you know, simply put, if an ox uh, harms someone, the negligent owner is fine. If the ox kills someone, the owner. You know, and we have laws similar to that. If you've got a dog that's known to bite and bite someone, of course, nowadays, if he's not known to bite and he bites someone, you might be in trouble. But, but if he's known and you don't do something about it and he injures somebody, you can, you'll be cannibal. The principle here is you must protect your life and the life of others. God expects us to protect ourselves. So we think about the, uh, the idea of preserving life. Secondly, I want to look at the biblical view of bloodshed. Biblical view of bloodshed. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. <clears throat> You know, as we think about it, the biblical view of bloodshed, we have to, we, you know, we live in a culture that seems to thrive on bloodshed. The, the, the gorier uh, movies are, seems the better they sell. Uh, a lot of games, and there's nothing but killing and bloodshed. You know, kind of wonder how long it's going to be till we have gladiators and all that kind of thing in our nation. But, but anyway, in Genesis chapter 9, Verse, chapter 6, verse 9, verse 4. says, But flesh, with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, the hand of every man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he a man. Of course, this is pre-law. You know, it's not, uh, you know, some might say that, you know, the capital punishment was just under the law. No, this is pre-law. This is what we call uh, the institution of human government uh, after Noah come off the ark. And so, uh, uh, if a man killed a person, man was to kill that person. Uh, He was to pay with his own life. Now, killing, the other thing we have to understand that killing or bloodshed was not always wrong. But when it was wrong, the penalty was death. So we learn two things here. Life is precious, and life is in the blood. Notice again verse 4. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. So life is in the blood. And life is precious. Uh, Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. So when, we shed, when somebody's blood is shed, something precious is lost. It's not just a body, body, or a body fluid. It's a life that's precious to God. And secondly, an attack on a man is an attack on the image of God. Look at verse six: Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Now the word "man" here is the generic word for the word human, mankind. So we're speaking of men and women. So. Your know, man was made in the image of God. Uh, he has God likeness. You know, Satan couldn't get at the Lord, so guess where he'd go? Or who he went to. He went after man. If somebody can't get to you, what's the next? What's the next closest thing they will go after? It's your children. They're your image, so to speak. And this is the idea here. So, you know, it, somebody has said this, at a trivial level, you're messing with sculptures in God's art, uh, art studio. And you know, God's view of bloodshed is not merely a physiological event. It's an assault on his divine image. That's why murder is punishable by death. So, so, You know, it's a serious thing. Shedding blood is a serious matter. Uh, In fact, we learned something about this, God's view of bloodshed from from David. Remember, David wanted to build a temple. His desire was to build a house to the Lord. And, you know, David was called a man after God's own heart. So why not David? Why can't David build build a temple? Well, you know, God raised up David to... To be king, to defend Israel, Uh, he fought the enemies of Israel, he killed Goliath, Philistines in battles, you know, at at God's command. So why can't David build a house? Well, 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 8, the Bible says, But the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house under my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Again in chapter 28, verses 2 and 3, says, Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and it made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war, and hast shed blood. You know, David was a man of war. He conquered his enemies around him. And, and there was some times, and of course, innocents die in war. And, and, and the house of the Lord was called a house of rest, and Solomon was to be a, a man of rest, and a man of peace. And because of, of David's shedding much blood, God would not allow him to build a house under his name. So killing someone, we, we, could, we could kind of conclude that thought with this. Killing someone is not a light thing in any circumstance. It's not. Whether it's legitimate Or not. You know our our culture of course. Casually depicts killing. You know television is full of it. Movies, video games, whatever. But. God hates violence. God hates it. You know taking the life of another. Is a big deal. You, You know your life may be forfeited. Because of it. So. Bloodshed, bloodshed, taking the life of another, is a serious matter. So as we think about that, let's look at some Old Testament passages on, on self-defense or lethal force. Let's start Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. I'm sure most of you can quote this one. It's the Sixth Commandment. You remember the Sixth Commandment? It has to do with the six shooter. Preacher told me that, a preacher friend told me that one time. He said, "Easy yeah, to remember the sixth one because you, know, you think of the sixth shooter. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Murder is wrong. Of course, this 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 is talking about premeditated killing of others. Um, whether it's in a fit of emotion or anything, it's prohibited here. Um, and we have to do all that we can to avoid that, avoid taking the life. Of another. Uh, but there are some qualifiers on this matter of killing. Um, let's look at some of them. Go to, go to Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24. <clears throat> and see, you know, some people would say, you know, thou shalt not kill. See, the, you, you can't kill under any circumstance. Well, that's not what that means. We might. Translate, they say, thou shalt not murder. Because we're going to see in many other places in the Old Testament, God told them to kill people. Um, Leviticus chapter 24 is one of those places, verse 16. It says, and he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation will certainly stone him, as well the stranger as he that is born in the land. When he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. And he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. You know, if we obeyed this law today, there wouldn't be many people left in our country. Um, so, you know, so we we see from this that that uh, there are there are qualifiers to this prohibition of not killing. Uh, a blasphemer is, was to be put to death. Uh, it, so, blas, uh, for a capital punishment for blasphemy was permissible. Uh, we saw earlier that examples of an ox or a roof, if someone caused someone's death through negligence, you're also deserving of capital punishment. Uh, so, so killing a man for causing negligent death was permissible. Uh, <clears throat> let's go to, to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Here in this chapter, he deals with accidental killing, where there is no negligence. Chapter 19 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations, whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities and in their houses, thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee away, and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer, which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whosoever killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated not in time past. And when a a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor, or as when a man, and he gives an example here, as when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood, his hand fetcheth a stroke, and with the axe cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the hell, and lighteth upon his neighbor that he die. He shall flee unto one of these cities and live. Lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer, while his heart is hot, and overtake him, because the way is long, and slay him. Whereas he was not worthy of death, inasmuch as he hated him not in time past. Wherefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee. And if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coast, as he has sworn unto thy fathers, and give thee all the land which he promised to give thee unto thy fathers, if thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God and to walk ever in his ways, then then shalt thou add three cities more for thee beside these three, that innocent blood be not shed in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and so blood be upon thee. But if any man hate his neighbor and lie in wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and fleeth into one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and fetch him thence and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Thine eyes shall have not... Shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel that it may go well with thee. so <clears> here <throat> the Lord tell, instructs the children of Israel when they come in the land that are to make cities of refugees were called, so that if like the example here, if you're in the wood with the axes cutting down and the head of the axe slips off and hits your friend or or whoever you're working with and kills him, that wasn't that wasn't isn't considered murder. you can flee to the city of refuge and be safe there so that you cannot be put to death however there're still consequences you say why is there consequences it's to make sure people are not careless see a lot of times people get killed just simply cuz people are careless this is like house arrest in fact it's worse in fact, Numbers 35 tells us that if you wander out of the city of refuge and the Avenger of Bloods finds you, he can put you to death. So you have to stay. They were to flee to the city of refuge and stay there. They could not leave that city until the death of the high priest that was living during their time. So even though it wasn't intentional, there were consequences. You know, there are consequences if you kill somebody with a car, unintentionally. And this is what, similar to this. Uh, but it's not, I don't think it's as serious as this is. So, so the, the point is this, that uh, a life, or the taking of a life, whether it's premeditated or kill, uh, killing or not, or accidental, is a serious matter to God. Life is precious to the Lord. It's precious. <clears throat> now, uh, go to Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22. What about some victims of other crime? Exodus chapter 22. Verse 2 and 3. Let's start verse 1. If a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full restitution if he have nothing... Then he shall be sold for his theft. Now, here we're talking about a thief. Really two cases here. In the first case, you have someone breaks into your home at night and you kill him. It says in verse 2, If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there should be no blood shed for him. So, if, he, if someone breaks into your home at night, he's just a thief, he was just a thief, and you kill him, you're not guilty of murder. You're not deserving of capital punishment. You don't have to believe uh, uh, for your life. But the understanding is that it's night, it's dark, and he's invaded your house. And they didn't, you know, thieves usually don't announce what they're there for. <laughs> uh, so, you don't know why he's there. So, in the dark, you have no way of knowing who he is. Or what he's intending to do, and so you kill him. Um, and again, the passage doesn't make clear what, he, what he's there for. But in the second case, if the sun has risen upon him, in other words, it's daylight, and you kill him, then you're guilty of murder. Verse 3 says again, If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. In other words, if he'd be smitten and die. That's the idea. So, the understanding, of course, is that in the daytime, there's light. You can discern the intentions of the invader. So, is it then legitimate to kill someone who's merely stealing your property? According to God's law, the answer would be no, it's not. He's not guilty of a crime of death Um, man Henry uh, commenting on this passage says if it was in the daytime that the thief was killed he that killed him must be accountable for it unless it was in the necessary defense of his own life we ought to be tender of the lives even of bad men the magistrate must afford us redress and we must not avenge ourselves now Again, you know, it's, it's, it goes back to intentions. What are the intentions? So, uh, well, let's look at some examples of those defending themselves against uh, murderers. Go to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter four. Of course, what you have here in the context is the uh, uh, children of Israel back in the land. Nehemiah is rebuilding the, attempting to build the wall, rebuild the wall, and the towers and, and defend the city. and uh, And so, uh, Sandballot, by the way, who is a is really related, the Samaritans, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, the army of Samaritan, uh, Samaria. So there, so there's, so there's blood relations here to the Jews. And uh, the Ammon, to buy the Ammonite, they threaten the children of Israel. And verse eight says, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed; There is much rubbish, so that we were not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore, set I in the lower places behind the wall and in the higher places I even set people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. You know, these were not trained soldiers or law enforcement officers. They were concerned citizens, residents. And they're armed with, guess what, assault weapons. They're assault weapons. I mean, you can hurt somebody very bad with a sword or a spear or a bow. Just as mad, bad as you can with an AR-15. By the way, you know, you have to match your weapons they didn't have AR-15s back then, so it was sword against sword, spear against spear, bows against bows. So why can't we have ARs now? Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's another thought. Um, you, know, you know, these were equal to handguns, shotguns, rifles, and all, the, all these implements of lethal force that we have today. Uh, and so, you know, and they carried these weapons for personal Defense. And civil defense. Uh, The same type of of weapons that would be used in wartime. And it was simply for the purpose of defense. In verse 14, again, he says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Uh something else so, so we can see here it is good and right to defend our families and even in using lethal force. Uh, verse seventeen and eighteen says, They which build on the wall, and they that bear the burdens with those that laid it, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. I guess this would be the first example of constitutional carry. <laughs> they had them. They kept them. You know, there was risk to their persons, so they carried their weapons with them, as many people as possibly could, for the purpose of self-protection. Understand this is written under inspiration of God. This isn't just Nehemiah's idea. Verse eighteen. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me so So we see here that they were uh, they had a reason to be concerned for their lives, and carried weapons to defend themselves and their families um, like we would today. All right, now let's go back to Luke chapter 22. This This is really where the question is raised with people today. Is it right for New Testament Christians to defend ourselves using lethal force? You know, a lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, what about the new? Again, Luke chapter 22, verse 35, he says, He said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything, and they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Uh, so, he, you know, again, get the context. You know, Jesus is uh, with his disciples. He's just... Celebrate the Passover meal, institute the Lord's Supper. They're getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's night. It's night, and Jesus says he he brings back a something that had happened before. He had sent the night before, and he told them, "Don't take any script. Don't take a purse. Uh, Don't take an extra garment." Don't take anything with you. Just go and preach. And he said, you lacked anything? And they said, no. Didn't lack like anything then. But now, that's important. Now. Now, he says, let him take it. If you have a purse, let him take it. Likewise, the script, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one it's as if he was saying and then he says they said we have two it's enough it's like he's saying the the disciples were saying look we have two guns and he said okay I'll take care that's enough now of course if you read commentators they don't really give you any satisfaction on this passage but one fellow said this. There are a few broad stroke observations we can make. First of all, Jesus expected them to have swords and anticipated a time when those without swords would need to acquire one. So they're going to need to get one. Uh, among the 11 disciples, they had two. That's a one-in-five ratio. Uh, also, Jesus expected them to carry the swords on their persons as they traveled from city to city and to the garden. At night. So, you know, here we have Jesus, those closest to Jesus, some carried personal weapons in his presence and with his consent and at his direction. The question is, You know, and Jesus spoke of a, of a of a time, future or present or future, when the disciples would need to get or acquire weapons. Even you know, think of this, even more urgently than garment. Now, a garment is a necessity. Garments are necessities of life. You know. Timothy tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10 that we're to be content with such things as we have. And he says that the, that the only things that we really need, our needs are, uh, um, how is it worded there? Clothing, food, food and raiment. That's garments. Those are necessities of life. And Jesus says sell your garment and buy a weapon. Buy a weapon. Matthew 24, 43 says, But know this, if the good one of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and not for suffered his house to be broken up. So, so it's expected that the Lord's people would have weapons. The question is then, why did Jesus tell Peter to put up a sword? Well, there's two reasons. First, Christ is willingly laying down his life. You know, though he had maybe right to use the sword and call angelic legions to deliver him, he came to die. He came to die. It was the Father's will for him to die. It was not the Father's will to, to use the sword in this case. In Luke, or John 18, 11, says, Then Jesus said unto Peter, Put up the sword in thy sheath. The cut which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So, so in the situation they were in, in the garden, Christ was here to die, not to live on. The second, there's a second thought here. Those who are quick to resort to violence will die by violence, by violence. Um, in, in Matthew 26, 52. And that's the statement that Jesus makes to Peter. And, and see, a, pe- a lot of people will use that. It's Matthew 26, 52. A lot of people will use this verse to say, see, you shouldn't ever use lethal force. But that's not what this means. Matthew 26, 52 says, Then said Jesus unto Peter, unto him, put up again thy sword in its place for all they that take the sword that take the sword shall perish with the sword and then he says thinkest thou that i cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be so but there is a principle here that we are not to be quick to resort to violence if you're quick to resort to violence you may die by violence the Lord hates those who love violence and think about it there is no crime here yet worthy of death they hadn't done anything to Jesus yet Peter's already slashing his sword around and they hadn't done anything yet Anything worthy of death. So the point here is the sword is not always the appropriate response, <laughs> especially in times of persecution for Christ. It's not always the appropriate response. Um, so, a couple of conclusions. You know, it's obvious... uh, Let me say this before I get into conclusions. It's obvious to me that the reason Jesus instructed them to get swords was to defend themselves if necessary. But a couple of concluding things. First of all, we have to be careful not to put our trust in the sword or in lethal weapons. You know, guns, knives... Any kind of weapons are merely tools. None of these things can guarantee our protection. Any more than owning a fire extinguisher can prevent your house from burning down. Psalm 44, 5-7 through seven says this. Through thee will we push down on our enemies. Through thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies. And has put them to shame that hated us. In 1 Samuel 17, when David went to face Goliath, David said this in verses 45 to 47 Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give thee carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I like what it says in Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with carrying weapons I do it almost all the time but our safety is not in our weapons it's really in the Lord so we must not put our trust in our weapons they are just tools dead inanimate tools that God has entrusted trusted us with Secondly, so we're not to trust in the sword. Secondly, we must be aware of improperly resorting to the sword. Uh, as we talked about the issue of of shedding blood and the limitations that God puts on lethal force, uh, we're not to shed blood in hatred or revenge or in vengeance or never in just uh, jealousy. Is, is it ever? Uh, 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 justify you know David in his pride nearly murdered Nabal but a godly woman Abigail restrained him and David would have killed him and he would have regretted it in 1st Samuel chapter 25 like uh, well, First Samuel twenty-five thirty thirty-three 33 says, And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall appoint thee ruler of Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord had avenged himself. So this is Abigail speaking to David. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, which sent thee to to this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Now, David had good reason to be angry at Nabal. But he did not have reason to take his life. And so we have to be careful about improperly resorting to the sword. Uh, So using lethal force out of anger, hatred, jealousy, or revenge is always wrong and condemned in the scriptures. Uh, When you're insulted, cursed... Or when your wife or your your mother is insulted or cursed, we're not to resort to violence. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. So here you know, we're talking about being insulted or cursed. and you know, We're not to resort to violence in these situations. You know, one commentator said this, there are a lot of great virtues depicted in the classic westerns. The propensity to break into fistfights or gunfights when honor is insulted is not a virtue. The Lord, not you, is to take vengeance and set things right. An insulting slap in the face is something you can suffer as a Christian, What if you're badly wrong? What if your wife or daughter is badly wrong? Well, you're going to stop the attack if it's in progress. But if it's done, we're not to seek revenge. We're not vigilantes. Romans twelve nineteen says, Dearly blow, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I repay, saith the Lord. We should seek justice. But we're not vigilantes taking law in our own hands. A third thing here that we need to remember, a warning. Do not admire the man of violence. Proverbs 33, 31, and 32 says, Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the froward is an abomination of the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. Righteous. You know, those who resort to violence rather than godliness are not to be admired. You know, David and Joab had a lot of similarities, but they had some vast differences. Uh, David, first and foremost, sought the Lord. He He loved the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. He would not do violence against Saul. Because he was the lord's anointed, so it, and it was because of david 's regard for the Lord first that he would not resort to violence against Saul, even though from human appearances he was justified on their own hand, Joab he would take matters in his own hands he had he killed Abner without just cause, he killed Ab. Uh, uh, what's his name? Amasa. That's right. That's the other one. Um, yeah, you know, he was a man given to violence. Proverbs one sixteen says, "For the feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood." The earth was destroyed because there was it was filled with violence. Genesis six eleven. God hates violence. God hates violence. So there's a narrow scope here in which it's implied. Righteously, one commentator says, but it's only because of sin that such skill is even necessary. So beware of influences in your life, which would encourage you uh, to admire someone like Joab rather than David. And then fourthly, keep the right perspective on this. Uh, You know, though the Bible does sanction and gives us a directive to possess weapons, we have to remember that um, you know, we have no examples in the New Testament of believers taking up the sword, so we're not to take up the sword. But, and secondly, the emphasis in the, in the New Testament is not geared toward physical defense or use of lethal force. Rather, the emphasis is on godly living and glorifying our Lord Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, Uh, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a Peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. You know, we are to strive for godliness. Is it wrong? Is it ever wrong to use lethal force? The answer is no. And we are to protect ourselves. We are to protect ourselves. but we are to seek after godliness and righteousness and uh, and honor the Lord in every area of life. But, you know, in a society like ours, it's wise to be prepared lest the need should arise. Uh, So it is. The Lord told him, buy a sword. Sell your garment and buy a sword. Why would he tell them that? Because they may need to protect to preserve their life against evildoers. You know, sad to say our world is full of evildoers. And we live in a day when life is cheap. And God forbid, that, but there may come a day or you or I might have to defend ourselves. We need to try and avoid it. But if it need be, we are to do it. We are to defend ourselves against evil, uh, those who would cause us harm, uh, offend our uh, families. And and so, might God give us wisdom about this matter? And... um, Wisdom to protect ourselves, but use wisdom as to the places we put ourselves as well. Because many times, just places we go, places people go, should say, put them in danger of their own life. So might God help us to use wisdom in this day in which we're living. And uh, only resort to lethal force when nothing else will do.